0: I'm here with Timo Fraser, and I've known Timo for quite a long time, quite a long time. We, uh, we lived in the same city in Japan, and um, Timo, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, my name is Timo Frazier. Um, I am a professional freelance photographer, and uh, I lived in Japan for about 12 years total, I'd say.
0: Great. Well, uh, sh- short introduction. So, um, now, kind of like, kind of like me in a way. You've, you were, lived in Japan, more than once, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the first time I was there, it was about four years or so, and then uh, I went back to the states for about a year. And right. Then came back to Japan. And, uh, like figured everything I wanted to do was in Japan. So I just moved, moved back and uh, hung out there for a, a long time after that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, remind me again, uh, when did you first move to Japan? What year was it?
1: My first time going to Japan was 2006. Um, when I got there, I, I moved to uh, to uh, Chibiken. And I lived in a little tiny town called Sawarashi, or Katorishi. Um, and there is... Literally, pretty much nothing there. It, it's very famous in Japan because it has like a lot of waterways. It's basically where all the rivers in Japan kind of merge. So it was a great place to live when I first got there because it was just gorgeous. Um, and they have really famous festivals and stuff like that. But um, outside of knowing it for that, not many people would stop there. And uh, there, there was a total of two foreigners in the whole entire. Uh, district so yeah yeah, yeah it, it was uh kind of a, a lonely existence for a while because I, I didn't speak much Japanese back then
0: right yeah actually I drove through there two months ago I was I went to the beach uh in Chiba and uh, oh, really? uh Katsura yeah, yeah yeah down in the south and on the way back I drove through that area um it was night nighttime though so I didn't really get to see much of the 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 natural beauty but <laughs> It was dark. That's all I remember. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, what did you do when you first moved to Japan?
1: Um, When I first got there, I was working as a teacher. Um, My whole plan that I had in mind was I was going to work as a teacher and then um, I I really wanted to do newspaper photography, so I was going to try to get into photojournalism once I got to Japan and uh, see if I could kind of go into that field of things and, you know, life changes and that's not at all what happens <laughs> right yeah
0: yeah so have you how long have you actually been interested in photography so you, you were already interested in it when you moved to japan that's correct
1: that's right um when i was in uh i guess when i was a kid i used to take my parents film cameras and go around and take pictures of weird stuff like the sidewalk and, and things like that And my parents would open up or they would take the film to get developed and they'd find all these Horrible, horrible pictures on there. And they'd be like, "What are you doing? You're costing us all this money with these horrible pictures." So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in it. Then in, in university, I started taking classes and, and stuff like that. Um, eventually, when I when I left Japan, I, I went to Paris and studied at a, a photography school there at Speos. Um And yeah, I mean, it's it's always been something that I've been interested in and kind of. I mean, even today, I keep continually growing with it. So right, um, right. Things, things I
0: do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious uh, to see your journey from, uh, you know, an aspiring uh, newspaper photojournalist to, you know, starting your own freelance uh, business that seems to be quite, quite successful. So, um, when you, when you move, how long were you in Chiba?
1: Um, I was in Chiba for about six months. Um, then after that I after the six months I was like I, I, I realized that I couldn't do a lot without Japanese especially in the area I was in nobody spoke enough English um, to to be able to from, to do the stuff that I wanted to do so at that point I, I kind of started to give up and I was gonna move back to America um, and kind of take things back up there so I went home for Christmas and I was in America and. Um, a friend of mine called me up and asked me if I wanted to come work in Utsunomiya. And uh, I'd been to Utsunomiya quite a few times to meet up with friends and things like that. So I, I said, yeah, why not? So I, I moved back to Japan and uh, relocated to Utsunomiya. It's a, it's a bigger city and um, the foreigner population is a lot bigger, um, a lot more people, and, and there's more English than where I was located at before. So, um, Yeah, I moved to Utsunomiya and kind of set up shop there for a few years. Um, Still teaching, but then traveling to Tokyo on um, weekends and things like that to work in uh, different studios and with different models. And um, I did that for a while. Then I moved back to America again. And while in America, I really started working a lot more um, with various models in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and and songwriters and musicians, stuff like that. Um, just kind of shooting for them and uh, helping to create uh, the record uh, album covers and, and different things um, and really started playing around with studio lighting and stuff um, so while I was there uh, I another friend of mine um, gave me a call asked me if I want to come back to Japan and work in Utsunomi again and America was having a bit of a recession at the time so I said yeah why not let's let's go for it again um, so I moved back to Utonomi and, and kind of did the same thing I was doing before uh, I was traveling down to Tokyo and at the same time I was working as a teacher um, during the daytime and I was just kind of living like two various lives and spending a lot of money on train tickets and then after a while I I um, decided to move down to Okinawa. And I spent about a year there, um, just doing some work down there before I came back to Tokyo uh, or to Yokohama. And while I lived in Yokohama, I set up my own home studio and I started working for a photographer, a fashion photographer named Masatoshi Yamashiro, um, very famous fashion photographer in Tokyo. And I was doing assistant work for him and um, Kind of setting up all of his lights and stuff like that, and then I was working behind the scenes on a, on a lot of stuff, like um, a lot of various advertisements and uh, some magazines, um, some magazines that people in Japan might even be familiar with. Um, so I was doing this for quite a while um, for my last few years in Japan, and from that point on, I decided like fashion photography is all I wanted to do. That that was my main focus after working in the industry um, so while doing that uh, Masa and his group they ended up starting publish Ingram magazine and that really took off and so I, I had all my contacts there and then I was doing that and I, I loved everything I was doing but at the same time working in Tokyo as a as an English-speaking photographer is not always the easiest thing because Wherever you're at in Japan, there's the, like at least when I was there, the the English level was only got you so far. Um, yeah. After that, you'd have to work for a Japanese speaker, and I kind of wanted to get out from Masa's shadow, so I ended up moving to Germany, um, and to and started working around Europe, and so from there, like I said, I ended up going to um, photography school at Speos and I started working. Just different places in Europe. Uh, where I'm located at now is is really centralized, so I can easily travel to Switzerland, to London, to France, and I do like every week. I'm in a different country now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, Europe is is so y- you can pretty much get anywhere by train. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, everywhere, here. and and we have a central train location. Um, the the city I'm in is Stuttgart, and it's actually known uh, during World War II, it's it's where all the autobahns converged as a fueling station. Okay. So, basically it, it branches out and goes to everywhere in Europe. So.
0: Wow. Yeah, so you picked a prime location then, for... Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, um, so you basically used English teaching in Japan as like a springboard to get to where you wanted to be. Is that right?
1: That's exactly right. Um, English uh, teaching was an easy career path, um, I, I, and I say easy as in it was easy to get into. Yeah, um, the, the work itself is, of course, can be very trying, very difficult, and you you receive from it exactly what you're putting into it. But exactly, um, it got me set up and gave me steady income so that I could do the things I wanted to do while I was there.
0: Great, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. Uh, a, a, in my view, you did exactly, you know, um, what you're supposed to do with that. If, if you have a, a goal in mind, just use it as, you know, a means to an end, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. So, um, you said you had you knew some people in Utsunomiya while you were living in Chiba. Did you know them from before you moved to Japan, or you just... How, how did you end up meeting these friends in Utsunomiya?
1: Um, no, actually... So... When I first arrived in Japan, I mean, I, I think I was 26, and, you know, you, you you kind of meet people along your way, along your journey, and yeah. the people I had met uh, were actually on the bus from the airport to the the um, the headquarters for the, the company I was going to be working at. Okay. So it, we just happened to be the only foreigners on this bus, and we all started talking to each other. and Everybody got it got put in different cities, and you you kind of make these connections with these friends, kind of like when somebody starts university. They the people in orientation might become their best friends throughout their entire time there. Right, It's it the same type of thing.
0: Yeah. So um, you know, it's, it's just you know luck how, how you meet certain people that give you certain connections throughout um, throughout it, your life. Exactly. You
1: know, yeah. Yeah. Life, all about connections, like meeting the right people and, and kind of it, it springs board it springboards you into different areas of life that you never expect to be at. Like I, I didn't think I would be in Germany if you would ask me this three years ago, I would have had no idea I'd be here. So Right,
0: right. Yeah, when I heard that you would moved to Germany, I I thought, what really? I mean that's uh that that seemed like a, a sudden turn, but you know you got to take advantage of um, any opportunities that are presented to you, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, how long were you in Utsunomiya before you moved to Okinawa, and why Okinawa, if if I can ask?
1: Um, I was in Utsunomiya for most of my Japan life. Um, I'd say probably eight or nine years in total yeah. I was in Utsunomiya. Um, Okinawa because I was shopping around for, for different jobs basically um, trying to see what I could get where I could I could end up um, I ended up in Okinawa which Okinawa is is the Hawaii of Japan um, like you got beautiful beaches It's always sunny except for during the, the monsoons and things and stuff like that, but besides that I mean it's, it's always gorgeous so when I, when I found out I could start working there, it, it seemed like a good platform, like a, a good area to be in. And um, not only that, but Okinawa has a lot of military bases. So all of the military families and the the um, just the different people in the area makes it a very rich English speaking environment. Because um, you've got a lot of tourism and you got a lot of Americans there. So it was very easy for me to go down there and start working. As a photographer, and kind of meeting new clientele and working within the military communities to to kind of uh, make my skill a little bit better and to and to get more business, honestly.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're right. If you're you're looking for you know more English speaking connections, in terms of Japan, Okinawa is probably your best bet to to go to other than Tokyo. You know, yeah, maybe even more so to Japan, than Tokyo, I'd say.
1: I'd say so too, yeah, there's, it was unreal, it was, it was almost like stepping back into America in a way, in a lot of ways, because, um, yeah, you still have a lot of the Japanese culture and the, the friendliness of the Okinawan people, um, but at the same time, there was, there, you, you can go to an A&W root beer shop and hmm. order hamburgers and stuff like that, and, and root beer floats, and that, I mean, it was kind of the best of both worlds in a lot of ways in Okinawa.
0: Yeah, like, I've heard... You know, especially compared to where Utsunomi is, we're in the Kanto area, that just the lifestyle of Okinawa is completely different. You know,
1: it definitely is. It's it's island life. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you ever go to Hawaii or anything like that, you notice it too. If you say you're going to be somewhere at three o'clock, that means somebody might show up at three fifteen or three thirty because you're on island time at that point. And right. It's it's easygoing and very relaxing and, and, and unless you have deadlines that it can be very stressful <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well yeah i mean at, as you know main, main the main island in japan you know punctuality is almost everything you know being on time is being there early you know
1: yeah and that it was very strange to go from mainland to okinawan life to, to island life because yeah in mainland you have to be at your appointments on time and if you're not then you start getting phone calls and People are worried that something happened to you yeah um in okinawa it it's not so much the same thing it's you 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 there's traffic you're driving the car you're not relying on the train system and it's it's a whole different environment the okinawa people are also very different than mainland people um they they're just they're they're it's just a very different culture right in, in yeah all, it's just yeah.
0: more relaxed right yeah, oh, a lot more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds sounds like a nice place, honestly. Now, but I've I've also heard that being you know you weren't part of you didn't work actually with the military or you you weren't part of the U.S. military, but were you ever mistaken for a U.S. military person while there being okay, an American?
1: Uh, I I was um it, with with the Americans I wasn't so much because I I don't look like right um, yeah long hair and a beard and um so so not so much there but with the the uh, japanese people there um i would walk into places and speak japanese and you would they if there was any there are some locals there who would have some animosity with the bases and it's it's kind of no drug if you watch the news and stuff like that so if you're in any of those places you can kind of detect that type of animosity but for the most part like the okinawans are just excited and happy to to have meet new people right um, or to have met new people so it's it, at the, but yeah it, i was often mistaken for a military person or or a lot of people there just didn't expect me to speak japanese right and, and that's the same thing throughout japan too you uh anytime you speak japanese people are always surprised by it so
0: yeah 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 especially up up here um i you know, like like I've said before, I either get two two assumptions with me while I'm here, and that's either they try and speak English because they assume I can't speak Japanese, or because it's you know a small city, it's like they're not even going to try with English, so they just they hope I speak Japanese. When luckily I do, yeah. so it's um, they there you can see kind of the relief on their face. They're like, okay, I don't have to struggle through English to to speak to this guy, you know. But yeah, yeah. So you said you were in Okinawa for about a year. Is that right?
1: Yeah, for about a year, I'd say right on a year, and then uh, decided to go back to mainland after that.
0: Okay, and you you went this. You went back to the Tokyo area. You say Yokohama, right?
1: Yep, yeah, to Yokohama. So yeah. I was far outside of Tokyo, where I didn't have to pay the really high rent rates and things like that. Yeah. Um, but close enough to where I could just jump on a train and and start working and stuff like that really quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you said the goal was to, to meet um, this uh, this Masa guy, correct? Or you just happened um, to meet him randomly and just one of those chance meetings again?
1: When when I moved back to Yokohama, I, of course, wanted to, to kind of start branching more into the Japanese side of things. Because I had done what I wanted to do in Okinawa and I was looking to kind of progress um and then i uh saw an ad for masa he was looking for assistance and so i, I reached out to him and um yeah showed him my portfolio and everything and he, he loved it he was excited to have me work on his team and um from there we just started like he, he already had his connections he already had his contracts and uh, he works as a uh, freelancer so from there we just kind of hit the ground running and yeah it was uh going with him and shooting in, in different studios in Shinjuku and Shiguya and stuff like that, um, Ueno, and uh, yeah, we just, like, uh, almost every day there was a different shoot at a different studio, so we were always busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So during this time, did you have, was this your full-time work, or were you still working at with a company? Um, and the reason I ask this is because of the visa situation.
1: Um, so the visa situation, I ended up getting some work at a, at a company Okay. Um, just to maintain my uh right. But I was only working about two or three days a week at that point. Um, the rest of the time I was either working for Masa or doing my own freelance photography stuff.
0: OK, OK, yeah, because um, just doing complete freelance work um, in Japan, uh, I. I've heard that's a bit more difficult to get your uh, your visa than going through a company, you know, an established company. So,
1: I I looked into it, and um, it is possible. Um, You just, I mean, as long as you're keeping your tax tax records and stuff like that, it's possible to do. But with my limited Japanese and um, yeah, and things like that, it just it's so much easier to find somebody that will sponsor you and to give you enough work to be sponsored. So right, right, um, yeah did it that way <laughs>
0: well hey man I mean you know like we said before it means to an end you know so yeah yeah so you you had your um apprenticeship pretty much with um with masa and mm-hmm. you said you wanted to get out of his shadow eventually right
1: yeah I did um so like I said working in Tokyo the or even working in Japan as something like a freelancer um you either have to speak perfect, perfect Japanese or you have to um, work underneath somebody. And my Japanese is, is decent enough. It's good enough. I can order off menus and I can hold conversations with people. But um, when it came to like negotiating contracts and things like that, I, I wasn't going to get very far. So Right. Um, yeah, so working for Masa was, was amazing. It was a great time and we had so much fun. Um, and made a lot of good connections and stuff like that but at the same time i wanted to shoot my own stuff um i wanted to kind of create my own images and stuff like that because i had uh, worked with masa and kind of helped him with his images and helped him create his art and then on the same time i was doing my art on the side but i wanted to just focus on what i wanted to do so right at, at that point i ended up uh uh leaving japan and coming over here um but, like, I still maintain great contact with Moss and everything. He actually came out and shot my wedding uh, last year, so...
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, such a such valuable, um, you know, information and, and, and training and even, you know, friendship. You know, you don't want to, you know, burn any bridges, obviously, with that, so... Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, complete opposite. I mean, it s- seems like you if, if he's shooting your wedding, you get along quite well with him, you know? So. Oh, yeah, and the...
1: the the knowledge i got from working with him i mean it's irreplaceable um it, it's even the the schooling and stuff i've done like that's hands-on experience with one of the best so it, it was great uh doing that
0: right right so you just eventually thought okay i've i've learned what i can from him and now it's time to go do my own thing right
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: yeah so what what is the the German connection here? Like, why why Germany? Uh, how You said you went to school in Paris, but were you living in Germany during this time? Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, confused on, on the timeline <laughs> there. So
1: Yeah, I was. Hmm. Um, like I said, the place I live in Germany is in the middle of everything, so okay. it's very easy for me to, to go wherever I want in Europe. Um, and there's a few things I want to do in Europe. Europe Europeans have a bit higher of an English level than uh, Japanese people. So I wanted to not only go to school here, um, I went to school at one of the top uh, 10 fashion photography schools, um, which was one of my goals when I came here. So I basically came here for the school and to kind of, uh, at that point point, I had had this experience with um, the Eastern markets and I had seen how the lighting works in for different japanese advertisements and stuff like that and there's usually a specific style of lighting and a specific style of picture that japanese artists want um but the europeans they have a completely different look on it and a completely different style they like to shoot it um if you go to italy and uh, i've studied with um a few photographers and if you go to italy their their techniques are very different. They like do like these high contrast, very artistic. Um, they don't use the rule of thirds like like Americans do, and it's it's different arts basically in, in all these different countries here. So um, when I came out here, I started studying with different photographers. Um, that like uh, Dan Hetcho um, was one of the ones that one of the first ones I studied with when I got here. Um, and, yeah, it was just,
0: at that point, point,
1: I wanted to expand past the Japanese arts, the the Japanese techniques, I wanted to kind of get something different, and even American styles are very different from European styles, so. Right, I, right, yeah,
0: yeah I, I'm not too familiar with photography styles, but I know from film that European film was, was very, very different than American style film, so, um yeah. yeah yeah they they do they do things very differently over there so
1: yeah exactly it's it's they they're so different it's a different eye a different look on everything so i just wanted to come over here and study with the Europeans for a while and and then eventually i'll my plan is to take it back to america everything that i've gotten throughout the different places i lived and kind of be versatile but also be able to create things based off of my the different techniques that I've acquired.
0: Right, right. So Germany is not the end, end goal here. You you do plan moving on moving back to the states. You said right.
1: Yeah, I think eventually. Um, you know, when you have lived outside of America for quite a while, it's it's hard to force yourself to go back there. Yeah. To it, it's kind of like being an expat. You know, you kind of see the world, and you you when you go back home, you're wondering, well, what am I going to do here? So. Eventually, yeah, I want to get back to America, but um, just right now, just doing what I can here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so how how's the visa situation there? Like, is is Germany a little bit more relaxed on freelancing, or have you Um, had to do some uh, some other work?
1: They are. You can do self sponsorship, but I went ahead and I'm I'm used to doing the uh, getting a, a sponsored visa, so. I went ahead and signed up doing some computer work here to, oh. to maintain a visa, and I go through and uh, work as a freelancer on the side.
0: Okay. Yeah, actually, my cousin lives in Germany now. He he used to be part of the U.S. military uh, about 10 years ago, or more, about 15 years ago, and he was stationed in, in Germany, and then he once he got out, I, I think he was deployed in Iraq a couple of times, and then... Um, he finished his tours and finished his, his uh, active duty. Moved back to the states, and he I think he got a job doing some computer work as a contractor for the U.S. military. And now they've, okay. they they in he was around like the Washington D.C. area. But now, um, they were going to move him to Japan, at uh, I think Yokosuka maybe. But then they at the last minute they said Nah, we're going to ship you off to Germany. So he's he's around that area as well. So.
1: That's cool. He might I mean, be in the same, same area because there's uh, quite a few military bases in, in this area also.
0: okay. I'll ask him and, and see um, see what he says. so that's cool <laughs> yeah but when you were living in Japan, what did you find was the, the most difficult aspect of, of living in Japan? was and with that was Japan also the first foreign country that you lived in out, um, outside of America?
1: yeah it was um the first foreign country i lived in i growing up we lived all across the united states um my dad was a songwriter so we kind of moved around from city to city uh trying to get closer to nashville but um it it didn't prepare me for moving to japan (laughs) uh i I remember when i first got there um just you're, you're kind of blown away by how different um asian culture is from from western culture um things that you don't expect like uh, for example I went and ordered food on a menu and I deciphered that I was ordering chicken and then I got brought out of a plate of either chicken cartilage or chicken hearts I don't know what it was but um, it, it was not, not what I was expecting, I was expecting <laughs> especially you, you know in America you, you go to Japanese restaurants and you get shrimp sauce and stir fried right. rice or something like that and it's the food is so different in Japan um it's not at all what you're led to believe uh while living in America right so um I I, I think my the hardest part of me living in Japan was always the language um it's and it's because no matter how far you progress in Japanese you never feel like you're good enough yeah uh, like a Japanese good enough
0: um yeah because
1: you're your either your vocabulary is too limited, or your your kanji is too limited, and you don't know enough uh, how to write enough kanji words, or maybe your pronunciation is just off enough to have people question you or, yeah. or not know what you're saying. Um, I remember when when my sister came out to visit me, she went down to McDonald's, and she wanted to order a hamburger with um, with just plain hamburger, and so. Um, I said, okay, uh, she wanted to get like, just ketchup on it or something like that. And so I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down there, and you're going to say hamburger, ketchup, and no meat. And she goes, she, she practiced it, hmm. practiced it. And I said, okay, make sure you don't say hamburger. You have to say hamburger. And things like that. So she goes there, and, and she orders the food. She said hamburger, ketchup, and no meat. She gets back to the house, she opens it up, and she has a bun with... Ketchup on it, and no meat.
0: <laughs> no meat. Yeah.
1: So some, some reason they thought she had said no. Instead of saying no meat, which means ketchup only, uh, ketchup and no meat. She thought they thought she was saying ketchup, no meat, and oh, so man. so things like that just would always like kind of drive you crazy in a way because you're like, it. Where does it make sense to order a hamburger with only ketchup on it? it
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm actually that's surprising that. They would actually do that. Um, uh, what is it like two years ago? Um, a friend of mine came to visit, and we went to a fast food restaurant, and he tried to get the sandwich without just one condiment on it, like no mayonnaise or something. And they said, "Oh, you can't do that. We we can't we can't physically remove the mayonnaise." He's like, "Make the sandwich without the mayonnaise," and they're like, "Uh, uh like like it couldn't compute, you know?" So
1: I. I- the, uh, I love Coca-Cola floats, like ice cream with Coca-Cola on it. But if you go to McDonald's or, or a lot of restaurants there and you order that, um, they put ice in it too. And it it uh, really basically just waters down your Coke float and the ice cream sticks to the ice and it just becomes like a nasty mess. It doesn't taste very good. Yeah. So I, I went to the McDonald's one day and I, and I said, um, yeah, I want to order a Coca-Cola float and no ice on it. And they're like, well, we can't do that. I was like, well, what do you mean you can't do that? And they're like, we we can't do no ice. I was like, you just take the coke and you put the ice cream in it. That's all I want. And they're like, no, it, it comes made with ice. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's so, it's yeah. It's that, That's why I said I'm surprised that she was able to get a bun with ketchup only. You know that that just sounds. No. The way
1: the way I picture it, she probably just stood there and kept repeating the same phrase until they gave her a butt. <laughs> yeah, they're just like,
0: okay, we give up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that it's it's really like small things like that that I've usually the only problems I've had here. You know, it 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 almost seems sort of, um, you know, it's if that's all you have to complain about, that's that's not really that big of an issue, you know. But yeah, I mean, life here is pretty, pretty good. You know, for for um, I, I guess for uh, a foreigner living here, if you're from a Western country, you you pretty much have had the easiest way for a non-Japanese person. You know.
1: Oh, it is like the the country is so clean. The people are so friendly. Um, they feel obligated to help you if you ask them for help, which is something that. You don't get in a lot of countries. Um, you could ask somebody, "Hey, what's a good restaurant?" If they don't know, they'll get back to you within a week and tell you a good restaurant. Right. So, like, it's just—it's such a great place to live. Um, and, and like, I miss it a lot of times. Like, there's there's so many things as I live in different countries that I'm, I don't know. J- Japan and Utsunomiya specifically are still my home in a lot of ways. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I miss being there.
0: No, you you talk about just being extra polite. I've seen store clerks literally chasing a customer down the street because they didn't give them the right change and they were chasing after them with 20 in change which is you know like uh, around 20 american cents you know so right you know it's <laughs> it's that level of customer service and dedication that you think there's nowhere else on on earth that is like that you know
1: yeah definitely <laughs>
0: uh, now how do you find you said uh, you know before we were um started the podcast you were mentioning that the people in germany reminded you a lot of people in japan um, how do you what are again what are some of the the same sort of traits that you find and what are some big differences that you've you've found
1: um germans yeah germans and japanese people this, this has basically been a really easy transition for me it, i think if i had gone straight to america it would have been more of a culture shock for me um and anybody who's lived in Japan for a couple years and then goes home to visit their their country experiences that culture shock. But when I got here, I didn't have that type of culture shock because um, the Germans are are very quiet. They kind of keep to themselves. Um, They don't like to throw off somebody else's life. So, for example, if you're on the the train or something like that, um, you're not going to see a German person taking up two seats with their feet on the other, the second seat, or anything like that, as you might see in some other countries, um, and uh, they're—I don't know—they just have a lot of similarities in that way. Um, they also are very um, upfront uh, about things. So, for example, um, in Japan, you, you might have somebody who had not seen you a long time. They're like, "Oh, it's great to see you. Like, You're getting kind of fat," but, but something like that, and it, it is not meant in a rude way. Right. It's just. Yeah, it's just them commenting on how you physically changed since the last time they saw you. Um, and Germans will do the same thing; they'll, they'll be like, "Oh, you're you're eating a little too much McDonald's or something <laughs> like that." Um, yeah, and it's it's that same type of uh, an almost abruptness that you, you kind of find in Japan, which you uh, a lot of times I might you might be taken aback by it, but for me, I mean, I lived in Japan for so long that. I was used to it. So coming over here was not a hard uh, thing for me to, to get used to as far as being with people here.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I remember when I first moved here, the, the most sh- someone said something to me that was... It, it initially shocked me, and I didn't know how to feel about it. And I later found out it was actually kind of a compliment. But the way this woman said it, it I really did not know how to react. But um, I'm walking into a building, and... I don't know if we ran it, if we bumped into each other, or, she, or we were just kind of crossing paths at the same time. But her initial shock was obviously I was so much taller than she was, but so that kind of threw her off. But then the first thing she she says when she looks at me is not "Oh, I'm sorry" or "Excuse me" or anything. Is you have a really small head. <laughs> I go, you know, obviously in Japanese, and I just go, um, "Okay." hello <laughs> you know so yeah and uh, that was the end of that encounter and, and I left it thinking that's not a normal encounter like why would she say that and I, I talked to a Japanese friend later and they said oh that's that's like a compliment I go really like having a small head is is good you know and uh, and then that made me a little bit like gave me a complex like is my head really small you know so
1: <laughs>
0: I worried about it for a while
1: she just bowed really low to them and said, "I got the." Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But um...
1: I, uh, I, I was always told that I have a, Anytime I met anybody new, or anytime, uh, like especially when I was teaching, if I'd go to a school, the first thing I would hear, kind of echoed throughout the hallways, was, "Big nose," uh, yeah. uh or "Long nose." hanatakai. like mm-hmm. you hear it everywhere, and it. Well, my first few years, I just. I had such a complex about my nose i was like this thing is must be huge and i mean compared to japanese people like commonly my nose is a lot bigger than theirs so uh after a while i just got to the point of of saying which means like you have a short kind of midget nose yeah
0: a a snub nose or something right yeah 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 Yeah, that um apparently that's a compliment too because i've gotten that as well and i thought Mm, that's it, this was after the the small face thing, so I thought, is this another one of those compliments that I'm not aware of? You know, and and yeah, it's um, apparently small face, big nose is seen as a positive thing. So if um, if anyone listening to this comes over and you're met with that, don't feel offended. So just say thank you and move on. You know,
1: you're in good company. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So did you actually tell people they had a they had a low nose?
1: Oh, yeah, In response, yeah, that became my response. After <laughs> <back a while. laughs> what yeah, was their like, reaction to that? They they would just stop for a second and then be like, "Oh, yeah, I guess I do." <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they're probably like, he his tone isn't isn't negative, but I don't know, you know. Yeah, it's it's right. it's, cool. it's the same kind of
1: tone you receive too. So <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it just leads to some some confusion, you know, because the words don't match the tone of how it's expressed, so it just, your, your brain doesn't know how to process it, you know, when you first hear it, so, hmm. So um, have you been back to Japan since you've left at all, for a visit or anything? Uh,
1: not since the last, oh, oh, actually yeah I did, I had a few photoshoots um, within my first year, and so I came back for those. Um, but besides that, that was the only trip that I made. And th- that was like one trip in the last two years. So it, it's kind of sad and disappointing because I, I really want to. Um, me and the wife have been talking about making a trip out there, but we just get so busy that we, we have a hard time finding the time to do it. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you just came back from a, a nice long vacation in Thailand, correct?
1: that's right yeah we did we uh went over there for about 12 days nice um, and it, it got a lot of the uh the desire to go to asia uh like out of my system in a way because uh, i there's i was able to buy uh japanese curry at some of the grocery stores and get some japanese sweets and stuff like that so it, it was good it kind of felt like returning to home in a way but at the same time thailand is so very different from japan <laughs>
0: right right uh was it was it your first time in thailand correct
1: no um no? i've been to thailand about four times oh. you know when you live in it, it's so easy to travel around to the different countries that, especially the asian countries like taiwan thailand korea um malaysia indonesia and stuff like that so um thailand was, was a frequent stop for me, just because it's so inexpensive to get there, especially from Japan, and then once you're in Thailand, you're living off of $2 meals every day, because the, uh, it, 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 it's just a very inexpensive place to be.
0: Right, right. Now, did you buy any, uh, some nice suits while you are there? I hear you can buy some cheap, cheap suits.
1: I did, yes yeah. I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like tailored too, right? Like the they yeah, g- yeah. g- full, full tailored suit for, for cheap. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I had three different uh, fittings, and then uh, came home with a, a new suit. <laughs>
0: great, great. Yeah, yeah. I haven't made it to Thailand yet. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to go soon.
1: You definitely should. It's it's worth the trip, and and like I said, it's very inexpensive. So you can, um, I, I think one year I went over there for about a month with a thousand bucks in my pocket, uh, and I, I was fine. <laughs> wow,
0: wow. Yeah. So you're your yen or your dollar can really take you quite far in Thailand then and it's not it's not really that expensive to fly to either right
1: right from from most countries um I think Japan you can sometimes get tickets between one and four hundred dollars um and from from here we ended up getting from Germany we ended up finding five hundred dollar tickets wow yeah Yeah. so it it was a great deal um it's not normally not that price I think it's Maybe seven or eight hundred most of the time from here, but we found a good deal and decided to take off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's still quite good. Um, Usually, when I fly back to the States, it's you know around fifteen hundred dollars round trip ticket. Um, Last year, I was able to get a good deal and have a round trip ticket for a two week trip for uh, what was it, um, seven hundred dollars, including all the taxes and fuel costs and everything. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was that was the hardest thing about living in Japan was how expensive it was to get back to America from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just stopped going to America.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive, but you know, um, the longer I I live here, the more normal Japan becomes. So getting out of Japan becomes a treat in itself. You know, like living here is right. still great, but it's just you know you got to get out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So. You um you travel all around Europe now doing photography. Um what has been the best place that you've visited in Europe in your mind?
1: Wow. That is a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um I actually I think probably one of my favorite places to go is Paris. Um and I and I know it sounds kind of cliché, but that's actually saying a lot. Um there is a documented mental condition that Japanese people get when they go to Paris, because the Parisian culture is so different than Japanese culture. It's almost opposite in a lot of ways. Um, that a lot of Japanese people who go to Paris end up going back to Japan and getting diagnosed with this condition. I, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but I kind of had my reservations about going to Paris for that reason. Um, because I, I lived in Japan for so long. And right. Like I said, going going to Germany was easy for me, but going to America would have been too much for me because of the culture shock. And so I, I was really worried about hitting that Parisian culture shock. But um, I don't know, when I got there, it's it's just such a beautiful city. Um, it's, it's got a lot of, it, it really is a romantic place to be um, to the point where we take trips down here anytime we can now. And then we get a lot of work and stuff there too. So it's it's good to go down there and do some work. and. Then, Find a good Brazilian hamburger place to eat at. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So the the Monet paintings do it justice, then, right?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The, I mean, I've I've never been to to Paris. Um, my image is just pop culture stuff, you know, Eiffel Tower paintings and and whatnot. So that's. But isn't Paris very different than the rest of France, though?
1: It is. It definitely is. Like I said, we live on the border now. Um, so if we cross over the border, it's, it's not at all like Paris. It's a, it's a, it, Paris is a different world in its own. Um, hmm. That's for sure. <laughs> well,
0: like Tokyo and the rest of Japan, or New York in America. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. You find that with any world city compared to the country that it's in. You know, it's it's just vastly it, different.
1: Yeah, and that's you know that's something else too that was really interesting about living in Japan is. When I arrived, I expected Tokyo. I expected the neon lights everywhere. I expected buildings like skyscrapers all around me. Um, I basically expected to land into New York or or something similar um, because of of where my mind was at. But then I got there and we're driving through rice fields most of the time to get where we're going, uh, which it was just completely surprising to me. Like rice fields and these amazing forests are are everywhere. with with like still these old style japanese houses kind of scattered throughout the whole area so yeah yeah that's always something really cool about living there
0: yeah the mix of old and modern in japan is something that even to this day i still marvel at sometimes you know i mean it the zoning i don't understand the zoning laws here but you could have like an old temple next to a modern building and then, like, a graveyard, and then someone's house, and then an apartment complex, and then a convenience store sandwiched in between, you know? And it's just such a weird mix, but that's what Japan is, you know?
1: Yeah, or in a children's playground somewhere in there. Yeah, 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 like,
0: and I don't know, maybe it's just the Utsunomiya children's playgrounds, but, like, the the really small ones that are sandwiched in between buildings just seem really, like, depressing and sad. Like, there's one swing set with, like, this old-looking, like, octopus like merry-go-round and that's it you know right Yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah what what would you say you you miss the most about japan i think you mentioned a little bit earlier something um
1: i think i don't know sorry my phone fell okay um you're back okay (laughs) don't worry
0: yeah
1: um Thing i miss most about living in japan i i'd say it's a mix between the people um the food the just i don't know it's it's everything it's it's like the culture of being there that's that's the thing i miss the most is kind of the way you experience life the way you live life like i'm i'm used to jumping on a train falling asleep to for like a couple hours and getting where I need to go and then just waking up and, and going and not worrying about having my camera bag taken or anything like that. Right,
0: right, yeah. yeah. You, you don't, it, it seems to be limited to Japan and as far as East Asia, East Asia is concerned with that, in that regard, um, you don't, I mean, personal property is almost guaranteed no one's going to mess with your stuff unless... It's a bicycle or a, or an umbrella, and then it. it's fair game, <laughs> I think.
1: I uh, one time I, I saw a Japanese person find a um, a brand new PlayStation Vita when they just came out, uh, along with like three games and a gift card for um, for Yodobashi Camera, all in like a plastic bag. It looked like it popped out of somebody's bicycle basket. Yeah, they found all stuff brand new, like. Like, still with boxes and everything, and they just took it all down to the police station. And it seems like in any other country that that stuff would have been gone, yeah. Um, but that's the first place they went was the train. I'm uh, sorry, not the train station, the police station. Um, and just dropped it all off there and left it to the police. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, the, the culture is definitely something I miss. Um, and, and I mean, the culture ex- expands into the people and the food and the just your interactions with everybody there it's it's something definitely everybody should experience at some point in their life
0: right right yeah it's a it's a nice place so um tim thank you for uh for being on today i really appreciate it especially with the time difference where you're at um if there was one thing you'd like to one message you'd like to tell the audience it could be anything you want what would it be
1: I would say one thing I don't know go to Japan check it out like it's worth it even if it's you've, you've never been anywhere in your life outside of your hometown go to Japan and just experience it experience life and make sure you bring a dictionary with you <laughs>
0: yeah yeah not not one of those really now old school electronic dictionaries that they used to sell for ungodly amounts of money here but
1: right, just download google translate or something yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs> So um, where can people find you online, um, social media, your photography business website, uh, anything like that?
1: Yeah, um, if you go to fraserphotography.com, you can see our work. Um, or if you you can find me on Twitter at Phantom, that's F-A-N-T-I-M. Um, same thing with Instagram, at Phantom. Um, and then Facebook, we're uh, facebook.com slash photographs with an F, so. Um, but yeah, Fraser Photography, is the place to find us if you just do a Google search, it will pop up everywhere so
0: okay yeah i'll have all of all of that in the show notes so they can just click down below so great anyways man thank you it's uh it all was right. a pleasure and i hope to talk to you again soon
1: great jay it was great talking to you all
0: right thanks take it easy